Jesus Christ, the reason we call it good news is the fact that God realizes that we're all flawed. And you know what? When it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's not like a negative statement from God. That's just like, that's how life is. And sin is not that everything you do is wrong. Sin is like that you just never do everything right. And I've never met somebody who doesn't agree with that statement. Pride is always a huge obstacle in life, no matter what situation it's applied to. Pride puts the priority on self, never on others. As we'll hear today in this message from Pastor Daniel, that is totally contrary to God's character and keeps us from letting him work in our hearts. Listen and find out how to let go of an I'm always right attitude and how to become humble in spirit. It's possible if we can let go of our place as number one in our own lives. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Run Away. One of the things I love about being a parent is that all the little things that I teach to my kids, I can take all of those lessons and I can actually turn them and I can live them out in my Christian life. It reminds me about how Jesus said that unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And oftentimes for us, we forget how simple the Christian life really is. We have a tendency to make it more complicated as we get older. We think about it in a different way. Let me give you an example. I've entitled this message, Run Away. And I really get that from being a parent, because one of the things I love to do is there's nothing quite like when one of your children is learning how to walk, right? Because... They're learning how to walk, but they really can't walk, right? And so their head is bigger than the rest of their body. So they have this big weight that kind of takes them in different directions, right? And so, and that's always fun if you're a parent. You sure you want to put a helmet on them because they're going to head something at some point. But one of the things we've always done with our kids is that we want to teach them about that sometimes they need to flee from something. So when I'll, one of the things that I'll do is that I'll try and do it. There's a microphone on, so it might be a little scary. But I try and go, run away in a really loud voice, and then the big kids are so used to this that Emma goes, ah, they run like this. And it's really fun. I mean, it should be fun, but we've all grown up and we're too mature for that. But I love this, right? So with little Annabelle right now, so Annabelle's like 18 months old, of course, like we're in like full on runaway mode. And it's really fun because when we do this, Obadiah and Maranatha are so used to like the whole, it becomes a game because you come on over and you go, run away. And Obadiah and Maranatha run with her. And it's a blast, right? And it's a good lesson, right? The simple fact that sometimes we need to know that it's time to run away. You think about how Joseph did that. Remember in the book of Genesis, when Potiphar's wife, the only, Potiphar's wife was the only possession that Potiphar had, so to speak, that wasn't in Joseph's care. And Potiphar's wife noticed this young Jewish man named Joseph. Joseph had been in jail. He'd been far away from his family, right? And she makes a pass at at Joseph. And literally, Joseph runs away. And he ends up in jail again because of it. And the Apostle Paul moving into 
The New Testament tells us that we should flee youthful lusts. We should run away. And as you know, the book of Proverbs that we've been studying this summer in this series that we're calling Hashtag God's Tweets, it shows us wisdom for life. Remember I made the point that wisdom is not information. That's knowledge. Knowledge is good information. Wisdom is the skillful application of good information. Big difference. Knowledge is information and would be good information. But wisdom is the skillful application of good information. And what we find all the way through the book of Proverbs, this wisdom literature, is that there are things that we should be doing empowered by the Holy Spirit, and there's some things that we should be running from. There's things that we need to flee now. Today, I have six things that we need to run away from. I want you to open your Bibles. Go ahead to Proverbs chapter 11, verses 1 to 14. Proverbs 11. But I want you to read along with me, but this is what I want you to know. These six things to run away from, we all already know this stuff. That's the beauty of this. It's not like I'm going to say something today and you're going to be like, wow, I didn't know I shouldn't be doing that. So the thing is, is that in the simplicity of the things to run away from, it's easy to not allow the spirit of God to shine a light on our hearts and say, how am I actually doing with this stuff? Because for many of us, for most of us, for all of us, I should say, it's not that we don't know what we're supposed to do, but we just have a bad habit of not doing it, right? That's the human condition. This is why Jesus died and rose again in the first place, because we often know what we should do. We just don't do it. And so, although this message is going to be simple, and be like, oh, of course I should run away from that. Of course I should run away from that. Pastor, of course. You have to take it to the next step and say, I know that I'm not supposed to be doing this. I know I'm supposed to be fleeing from these things. But you know what? Where am I kind of not fleeing from it? Where have I taken the moments to say, you know what? I should run from this, but I'm kind of hanging out here. I'm getting comfortable here. I've been living here. My recliner is in this area right now. And what I found this week in studying this is that there's areas that I'm like, wow, I know better than this, but my life is looking differently. So I figure if it's true for me, I'm just like everybody else, so it'll be true for you as well. So look what it says. Proverbs chapter 11. I'm just going to break this up because now we're in this kind of one-liner section, these tweets of God. So I'm not going to read a whole passage, but look at what it says. Verse 1. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So first, we need to run away from dishonesty. Run away from dishonesty. Now, notice what it says. It says, a dishonest scales or deceptive scales are an abomination, but a just weight is his delight. And that word just weight in some translations should be a perfect stone. That's literally what the Greek or the Hebrew says, that it's a just weight is a perfect stone. Now, let me explain this to you. We all go to the supermarket, right? Or most of us do, right? You go to the supermarket, and let's say you buy some vegetables, right? And what you do is when you go to check out, they put it on the scale, right? And it's a digital scale, and hopefully it's teared so that you don't pay for the bag, right? And you find out what the weight is, and because it's a digital scale, by and large, has anybody ever argued with the checker to make sure that the, the scale is equalized properly? Anybody ever do that? None of you. It's not a bad thing. Why? Because it's a digital scale, and before you put it on it, it sees that it's zero. You're like, okay, this is good, right? 
Now, in Jesus' day, before digital scales and all this stuff, there was scales. And if you wanted to buy a certain amount of a vegetable, right, you, they would put one stone on one side to be, this is the weight that you're getting. And then they'd put the thing, and as the thing balances out, then you're like, okay, I'm buying the amount that I had. But what would people do? Because it's not like just in a capitalistic society people get greedy. People have always been kind of greedy. So they would say, oh, I have two different stones. One stone is a light stone. So when you say, I'm going to buy a pound of bacon, they'd put you like a pound, but it's a little less than a pound. They'd put it on the scale so that when there's time for them to sell you, I mean, they wouldn't have eaten bacon because it's not kosher. So whatever, you know. I know someone's like, Pastor Dan, that is not kosher. We're talking about Hebrew culture. Come on. You know better than that. Anyway, they put it a little bit less, right? And so they wouldn't sell a whole pound. They'd sell a little less than a pound. And then when it was time for them to buy something, they'd have their own stone, which would be a little more than a pound, so to speak. And so really what this is, is about dishonesty in business. Dishonesty in business. And we are called here to run away from dishonesty. Why? Because dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. Now, that's not like a... This is God's favorite dessert. Abomination is a significant word, means it's something that the soul of God absolutely abhors and rejects. The idea is dishonesty makes God want to vomit, so to speak. So dishonest scales are an abomination, but notice a just weight or a perfect stone is God's delight. So the idea of a perfect stone is, let's say the weight of measure was a pound. It's exactly a pound. So because all of our lives, in a sense, is our business, right? You are the CEO of your world and your life. You have to ask yourself, is my life characterized by dishonesty or is my life characterized by a perfect stone that the measures with which I measure are the right measures? And if we find that we are given to dishonesty, then we need to run away from dishonesty. Look at the person next to you say, run away. Go ahead, have fun. Go ahead. I'll be honest with you. That was the wimpiest run away from a congregation I've ever heard. Can we do it again? Go ahead. There, that's a little better. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to do that again, so get ready. So run away from dishonesty. If dishonesty is a part of your life right now, right now, even say, Holy Spirit, is there dishonesty in my heart right now? Is there some way that I'm living that is deceptive in the way that I'm weighing things? Think to yourself, run away, and literally run away from it. Run away from it. Look at what it says in verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame... But with the humble is wisdom. So quite simply, run away from pride. Run away from pride. Look at what it says. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. So instead of pride, we should have humility. And notice, because the book of Proverbs, it's God's Twitter account, it's these truth bombs of wisdom, with the humble is wisdom. So skillful living comes from humility, shame comes from pride. Now, let's look at what pride is, because everybody can say pride, P-R-I-D-E, what's at the center of pride? I. Pride is literally saying that I am more important than us, 
that I am more important than our relationship. When somebody is being prideful, what they are saying is that my ideas of right and wrong is more important than our relationship. See, pride severs relationships because when somebody is being prideful, it's not about the relationship, it's about the individual. The individual trumps the relationship. Now, God sees that as pride because God is not prideful in the way that humans are because God, if anybody could say, I am more important than our relationship, it would be the perfect holy God, right? The perfect and holy God could say, look, you have lived in rebellion against me and I'm a perfect holy God and you know what? I'm done with you. But what does God do? No, he goes and says, look, our relationship to me is more important than me knowing that judgment is deserved by people. So I'm going to send my son to die on a cross for your mistakes. See, God is placing the covenant, the relationship ahead of his own, I am right and you are wrong. Ask yourself, in what situations are you and your feelings of right and wrong more important than the relationship? Right there, my friends, that's pride. That's a brutal one, isn't it? See, I love this about the Bible. See, God's word has teeth sometimes. Because notice, I mean, and like sometimes we want to soften the, the bite. You know what I mean? We want to be like, ooh, you know, like, let's, no. When pride comes, then comes what? Shame. Is shame ever a good thing? Does, it, does feelings of shame is that something like, yeah, I just love feeling shameful? So we need to run away from pride. And when we run away from pride, we run into humility. And humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking about ourselves less. Humility understands its place in God's economy, knowing that even though in a situation we may absolutely be correct, but we also realize that God valued our relationship over being correct and he came and saved us so that we realize I can value my understanding of being correct differently because I want to preserve a relationship. See, a humble person lives properly in the light of God and then turns his or her standing in the light of God outward to other people. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reason we call it good news is the fact that God realizes that we're all flawed. And you know what? When it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's not like a negative statement from God. That's just like, that's how life is. And sin is not that everything you do is wrong. Sin is like that you just never do everything right. And I've never met somebody who doesn't agree with that statement. I've never met someone who's like, well, no, no, I, I've never made a mistake. I'm like, you've always done the best thing you could do in every situation. Nobody says that. And humility says, I realize that I am flawed. And so when somebody else's flaws are being displayed in my direction, I'm going to give them space to be growing because God's working on me. And so I'm going to allow God to work on them too. And I'm not going to demand that I'm right, even though I might be. Pride always places the individual before the relationship. Listen to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It says, a man's pride will bring him low, 
but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. In what areas do we need to run away from pride? In what areas do we need to say, God, I am going to allow myself to become like Jesus because Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If there was anyone who could say that he was always right, it was Jesus. And Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart. He called, I mean, wasn't Jesus' favorite self-designation the Son of Man? I mean, you could think if, if God was your father, if you, if you were a child of the Holy Spirit, you might want to roll that thing out on your resume. You know, like Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. Hello, right? No, Jesus never called himself the son of God. He was always called himself what? The son of man, the son of Adam. Completely identified with a broken humanity that he was human, but he wasn't broken like broken humanity. Jesus was the greatest example of humility. Somebody who valued, I mean, think about it. Jesus brought 12 disciples around him. You gotta love it. It's like God's plans are so crazy. It's like those guys couldn't get half the things right, right? But those are the ones that the Lord chose. And Jesus, you never see Jesus being like, now you guys are all busted up and messed up. I can't believe I chose you. I'm going to trade you guys out for 224s, you know? None of that kind of stuff. He was so humble and gracious with them. We need to run away from pride. Run away from pride. Now, you know what the problem with pride is also? Here, and here's a big one. Often when we're being prideful, we're the last one to realize it. <laughs> Did you ever notice that? When you're putting yourself above a relationship, you're always the last person to realize it. And so the key is not that we're not going to be blind to our own pride sometimes. The key is, is to ask ourselves when we see a relationship being centered, saying, Lord, am I being prideful? What am I doing to sever a relationship? Because the grace of God brings together and Satan wants to separate. That's, that's how it works. God's grace unites, Satan divides. That's how it works. And so when we are being prideful, we're acting the way Satan acted. When Satan, the great angel, worshiped, he would, you know, the Bible says that he would open up his wings and all of heaven would fill with the glory of God. And one day Satan was like, well, why is God getting all the glory? I mean, I'm the, the anointed cherubim that covers. Like, come on. Like, when I spread my wings, I sound like a mix between Jimmy Page, Eddie Van Halen, and I sing like Donovan or whoever, you know, with a little Taylor Swift mixed in. He's like, I got it going on. Why does God get all the glory? See, it's self-centered. We've got to ask ourselves, when a relationship is breaking, what part do we play? We're really good at noticing the, the part the other person plays, though, right? We've got to run away from pride. Look at verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught 
by their lust. So now we need to run away from unfaithfulness. Run away from unfaithfulness. You notice that that word unfaithful pops up in these verses. In verse 3, it pops up again in verse 6. And then in the middle, of course, we have the idea of righteousness and wickedness. So one of the attributes of wickedness would be unfaithfulness. The ability not to stay true to what you know is the right thing. In in some ways, unfaithfulness is a picture of mixture. So the idea is, is imagine if you had a cup of water, 100% pure H2O, right? Like the water boy, be super stoked about it. For those of you who know that movie, if you don't, don't worry about it. Anyway, you know, now imagine you take 100% pure water, you, you mix a little bit of poison in it. It's still almost completely pure water. Will it still kill you? Absolutely it will. See, unfaithfulness is mixture. When you say, let's say to your spouse, I'm going to be faithful to you all of my days, right? Most people, when they get married, they make a covenant that way. And then you're out on the internet looking at something you shouldn't, or you're flirting with something. It's a mixture. It's a mixture. And unfaithfulness is a major problem. We learn in these verses, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So we have integrity and perversity contrasted. The integrity of the upright will be their guide. See, when somebody is faithful, they will be guided in faithfulness. But when somebody is unfaithful, it's perversity, and it will destroy them. Notice this. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. See, an aspect of righteousness or rightness is faithfulness. And what they're saying is that you could have all the money in the world, but it won't deliver you on the day of judgment. The richest person in history, their money is not going to get them over the goal line of eternal life. That's a, a reality. And we all know that deep down. Even the richest people in the world know that deep down. That when they die, all of it stays behind. It's not like you're going to impress God and be like, well, listen, you know, I got $87 billion. God will be like, yeah, it's paper. It's paper. It's digits on a screen. This isn't about how much money you hoarded or how much money you made. It's about something different. See, it's such an important reality for us to remember that, that being faithful to your life means not valuing yourself based on things that ultimately have no value. I'm not saying money is valueless. Money is an outlet of spiritual power. But too many of us try and derive our value based on money. And the reality is, is your soul, you came in with nothing, and guess what you go out with? Nothing. It's just the content of your life. And it's an important distinction. And being faithful to our lives is not valuing ourselves based on things that are technically not valuable. Verse 5, the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. So now again, righteousness of the blameless. Jesus is In Pastor Daniel's message today, we learned that it's okay to run away sometimes. In fact, it's the best option when it comes to situations and ways of being that go against the Father. Pride is one of them. 
a selfish tool used to divide and destroy relationships. Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. <laughs> a hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears and we get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus is Real Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of any amount, plus shipping and handling, to Jesus is Real Radio, but we'll send you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning, you can fill up your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug and remember to pray for us. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus is Real Radio and you can help. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner option to receive your own Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel tackles that one label that is often applied to Christians, and that's hypocrisy. He'll examine exactly what it means and how God's children can avoid it. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.